Welcome to The Mentor's Welcome Voice. Back. It's exciting to have you here. I think before we dive in, we have done a few of these where we get to bring people that have been involved from the uh, you know the interview side. And Christy and I love, we have the honor and the privilege to get to interview you. And so tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, you know a little bit about your background and then we'll jump into everything else. Yeah, so I went to Cornell University. I got my bachelor's in healthcare policy. And then I also got my master's in health administration at Cornell as well as part of their BSMHA program. Um, so I originally wanted to be a doctor going into Cornell, felt that wasn't really for me. And then I kind of trekked into hospital administration and that's how I started into the MHA program. And then right when I first got into it, I thought a little bit more about what kind of population do I want to be serving? What kind of, you know, what type of people and demographic and that kind of landed on seniors. You know, I was raised by my grandparents. So it was very natural for me to be around those who are older and, and want to give back. Um, and that's kind of where I am now. I'm working in uh, the senior living sector with Human Good as the director of special projects. Very cool. And before we get into that, we can't wait to hear all about that. I see Christy is wearing her little Cornell jacket. <laughs> so cute. We love that. Mm-hmm. And so Christy, connecting the dots, you know, with Derek being at Cornell, your involvement as um, you know, VP of student engagement at leading age. Tell us like, how did, how did, uh, you know, Derek get connected in and then connected into Mentor's Voice? Yeah. So I think I was connected to Derek originally by Brooke Hollis, I believe, right, mm-hmm. Derek? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, Brooke is a professor at Cornell and uh, was, I was contacting him and we got connected to Derek and Derek said, I'd love to do a podcast if you guys are looking for student interviewers. And we were really stoked and very lucky to have you uh, do so many interviews for us for our first season. So it was a lot of fun to do that. And then you got involved in so many other things with the student program and all the work that I've been doing. So it's been a lot of fun to get to know Derek, but I haven't talk to you much as you've been really busy with launching your career. Um, and so I'm so excited to hear what have you been doing since mm-hmm. Cornell now? Where did you go after you graduated? And uh, how did that bring you to where you are now? Yeah, catch yeah. us up. So after graduating, I started at Human Good. So they have Human Good is a um, senior care provider. They have, I think now, 23 or 24 life plan communities, and it's only growing. And they also have an affordable um, housing division with over 100 uh, communities. So I was on the life plan side. Uh, My plan was to get my uh, nursing home administrator license. And so they had a preceptor at their Irvine location, Regents Point. And so I spent one year there in Irvine, right out of Cornell as an AIT, which is an administrator in training. Um, I did my hours, I did my kind of rotations through the departments, and I studied for the national and the state exam. And then I got licensed. Um, I got licensed shortly before I started this um, new position. And yeah, so kind of how it ended up being was, you know, throughout the AIT, I really enjoyed it and everything like that. But I think I was always someone who enjoyed working kind of more for the corporate office or the home office, looking at the bigger picture. And so being, you know, at 
Regents Point and, and within the, the skilled nursing facility was very boots on the ground, which I think was great to get the experience to inform, you know, my my knowledge base. But I really like working on, you know, bigger picture projects. How can we affect the overall system of the enterprise rather than just, you know, the health center of one of the communities? And that's kind of how I pitched um, this, this role and getting more involved with uh, projects that affect, you know, all, all of the communities. Love nice. that. Yeah, it's fantastic. So I'm a little bit curious, you know, like now that you've been in this role a little while, you're working on these projects. Is there anything that, you know, jumps out at you that you heard as you were interviewing people on the mentor's voice? And you're like, oh, man, there's that little nugget, that little like bit of wisdom experience that someone shared, like you've carried that with you. Mm -hmm. Definitely is how important uh, your team is, you know, at Regents Point that the the team really was, you know, one of the most important things. You don't have a team, you can't, um, you know, serve the residents. And that, you know, we faced a lot of staffing challenges, as I'm sure that a lot of different communities have. And it, it wasn't easy to get through that, you know, having to work with registry, having to always look for new talent and recruiting. It was really the importance of keeping your staff happy so that, you know, your operations um, continue to run very smoothly. Nice. Love that. Yeah. So as an AIT and someone I've done an AIT, you know, I understand there's like really great experiences you have as well as some more challenging ones, but tell uh, us what your favorite part of the AIT was, especially for any students that are listening that might be interested in doing an AIT. What, yeah. Yeah. Highlights. I think definitely um, spending time with the residents. You get a lot of resident face-to-face -face time and getting to know them, getting to know the stories, um, getting to know kind of their their habits, their behaviors, where they like to spend time, their hobbies and what they like to do. I think that was one of the best parts of it. Um, one of the more challenging parts was definitely dealing with the survey. So we, we didn't have a survey for like three years because of COVID. Um, and I was fortunate and unfortunate to have a survey land kind of during right during my AIT. Very stressful week, um, kind of running around back and forth, having kind of like secret little conversations with the team members to make sure that everything is going as smoothly as possible. Kind of doing survey management where you're keeping an eye on the surveyors and making sure that they're they're you're, you're addressing all the issues that they're. Um, going to be looking into before they get to them. Um, it was very stressful, but it was also kind of exciting and fun. Uh, but I definitely after that week, it was very, you know, I was exhausted. It was kind of just five days straight. Um, and and not only that, you know, we had a resurvey. So they came back and it was just kind of a month long of preparing for that as well. So it was definitely not easy and it was definitely tough. But I think that was a very memorable experience and, and a very good experience to know. That's awesome. Yeah, that's key to having an AIT experience is mm -hmm. learning that that role and that process. And especially without it being you being the licensed person, uh, having to, to deal with it. So that's nice that you're able to do that. Uh, I, I would definitely say that that's a, uh, both a positive and a challenging experience. So. Yes, definitely. It was it was a good time. It was just very stressful, very good learning experience for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, speaking of like challenges, what are some of the you know challenges that you're facing right now in your current role? What are what are some things that you're kind of, you know, those those good challenges where you're looking at it and you're going, man, I'm excited to to get involved in this and, and help move this forward? Yeah, actually, um, I guess one of the things that I've been thinking a lot more about 
um, is you know AI and how AI plays into our field and how we can really leverage those tools, how we can leverage some of those automations to um, be a leader in the space and kind of get ahead of the other competitors. How, how can we leverage those systems to brand ourselves in a certain way or, or get a message out in a certain way or get to prospects in a certain way better and faster than other communities and, and be a leader in the space where we're really up to date on technology and innovation. And that's one of the challenges right now I see is that I think just the the industry in general, you know, it's it's relatively newer, but you're dealing with a demographic and population where, you know, those one-on-one interactions are very important. You know, you get in front of a prospect, you give them a tour, you're doing consistent follow-up and things like that. And it's how do you kind of automate some of those things and how do you nurture your prospects in a way that you don't, you don't end up losing them, but you still want to have that human element to it. Um, you know, that's some of the things I've been thinking about more about how we, um, we do our marketing, how we do our digital marketing, especially yeah. because, you know, as, like I said, it's they're, they're an older population, right? And so they may not be as in tune with the internet or online, you know, and they're maybe more used to your um, advertised, uh, physical advertisements, brochures, pamphlets, flyers, uh, mailings. Um, and how can we use some some sort of digital marketing to target them as well? How do we get that in front of them? Maybe they they use Facebook or something. You know, a lot more people are using TikTok. How do we get on social media? How do we get that presence built to get more marketing channels to reach a larger audience? Um, I mean, and then also yeah, keep oh, go going. On. No, you're. I mean, you're speaking my language. This yeah. is I'm all about it, right? Like mm-hmm. marketing background, and then also you know now I'm with. Uh, CRM software company and senior living and same thing, right? We're looking at it and going, okay, what are the, what are ways like we there's automation, obviously that's involved and all about increasing that efficiency, but then also, yeah, how do we truly use, uh, you know, AI in a way that makes sense and is helpful for our teams and is also, you know, kind of thinking through, like we still have a varied population a varied, you know, demographic mm-hmm. of people that are, that have skills and understanding of some of these tools like yourself. And then there are some people that may not, you know, they maybe don't have that understanding yet. Mm -hmm. And so kind of like leveling the playing field and bringing people up to speed and doing it in a way that's, yeah, just mindful of, of what our industry is all about, but lots of exciting opportunities. I've been joking, you know, with friends, it's like, the the little corporate TikTok stuff. It's like you want to give a good speech at a conference, just get up and say two words, AI, and then everyone like claps, mm-hmm. right? It's like it's it's low hanging in terms of it's very relevant. But I think that like you mentioned, the challenge really is how do we incorporate it in a way that increases efficiency and actually benefits our teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and not just something that people have to learn and then they end up not liking. And then it's moving on to the next AI tool that that may or may not work. You know, how do we build a system, not just use tools or yeah. individual things to, to increase our efficiency? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to kind of flip it. I know this isn't a question that's on here, but, I, you know, you mentioned it earlier on, and I just think it's so meaningful, mostly because I just had a little LinkedIn post um, you know, it was World Alzheimer's Day and it brought up to memory, you know, my grandmother, that was certainly a big part of my journey connecting into, you know, the world of aging services and 
continues to, you know, provide passion and purpose for what I'm doing, um, which is nice on some days where I'm like, what am I doing? Um, Mm -hmm. But how, you know, in your role now, thinking about, you know, your grandparents and are there days when you're like, oh man, that I would, you know, like sharing that story with them, like, do they impact you on a daily basis, weekly? Like, what has that journey been like for you? Yeah, I, you know, since being out here, you know, it's, I'm not at home. So it's, it's a little bit different because my grandparents, they live with my parents back at our family home in Long Island. And, you know, I grew up with them, you know, they raised me. So it is a little bit different, you know, not being home, not being around family, but, you know, I call them all the time to just check up on them. And my plan is to visit, you know, more often, visit home more often since this is a remote role. Um, so that I can continue to spend time with them because it, it would be kind of ironic where I'm going into this field to serve seniors, but I'm away from my grandparents and right. I'm not able to be there for them, right? Because I'm doing this role or or this line of work. Um, but yes, definitely, you know, the idea is I was given so much through them raising me. And I'm sure that that's the case for you know, many, many other individuals and families. And Part of the reason why you know I love this field is because I want to give back to you know that demographic is they have done so much for others you know they have done so much for the next generation they've you know built America in a way they've built our country they've built the world everyone before us has you know passed down some knowledge or something valuable to us and it, I think it's part of that is giving back to them and, and serving them when they have reached you know their elder ages. Yeah, that's awesome. Love to hear yeah. it. Yeah, so your your passion is still there. So mm-hmm. uh, that's wonderful. Um, so, and I say that because this field isn't exactly one that is easy to, to get into. And it's also a challenging field. And so sometimes it can be really discouraging. But what would you tell some of the leaders of our field um, about your experience on getting into aging services and um, the, the challenges as well as the opportunities that, that there were for you trying to get into this field. Yeah, I would say is really build out structured programs or kind of pipelines for young leaders who want to get into the field, because I think there's a bit of a dissonance of we want young people to come into the field. We want new talent. We want the brightest minds, whatever it may be. Yet they don't always have the systems in place to place them into those positions or they don't have the infrastructure to support them. But, you know, there's always a continued sentiment of we, we need people, but we don't we can't support that right now because we're not kind of investing into it. We, we're, we're focusing on other things. So I think there needs to we, they, leaders need to bridge those those two things and really start to develop those pipelines um, the structure, internship programs, more AIT programs, more advanced leadership programs, because, you know, you hear it, you know, we all hear it in the industry, we want more young people to join. But there's a reason I think that more young people aren't joining is because they're not seeing those established systems where it makes it easy for them to join. You know, it definitely wasn't easy for me to get into the field. It was it was a long, arduous process. It was mostly conversations that led to more conversations that then led to an interview and another interview and then the offer, right? But when you look at other industries, there is an application process, 
right? You're vetted right away. Um, you start an internship. And then from there, you might get a return offer. And you know that when, when these uh, internship offerings and applications release, you know, you know about the exact time they do because it happens every single year. You know what they're going to ask on those application processes. You know, you can ask other students their experiences with those right. application processes. So it's it's going to take some time to build out those systems. But I think that getting started right away is, I mean, it's the best time, right? There's no better day than now to, to do those things because you're not going to have those things ready right away. It's going to take time. So I think as much as it's important to want, you know, young people in the industry, it's it's also more important to put in the work to make sure that they can get in. Right. Yeah, and, and you just mentioned, uh, you know, sorry, go ahead, Christy. I was going to say, um, you know, with your with your experience at Human Good, was that a, a, a position that they already had available? Or was that something where you were pioneering something new for them at Human Good? And I'm sure that took a little effort, too, if that was the case. Yeah, so... I, they they had the preceptor uh, at Regents Point, Irvine, but I'm not sure whether they were considering, you know, having an AIT at that point. They have they have an AIT program and they have AITs um, throughout the organization, but it just depends on the availability of the preceptor. And I think my preceptor newly got her preceptor license, and I just so happened, luckily, to reach out at that right appropriate time. And the ge- geographic location just kind of worked out. But it was really I I. The story is, um, you know, Roger Myers, CEO of uh, Presbyterian Villages in Michigan, I did an internship with him. And part of my project was to reach out to other CEOs and look at their strategic plan. And that's how I got connected to John Cochran, the CEO of Human Good. So it's, it all started with that conversation with John. And then he kind of pa- he passed me along to Dan, the COO. And, you know, we liked, we, we liked, you know, the conversations and we thought it'd be a good fit. And that's when he passed me along to Regents Point. And so it was kind of a... Um, it wasn't very structured in the sense that I applied for this certain thing. It was, oh yeah, we we have an opening perhaps, or we have a preceptor here. Um, this could work out, and for so it, it wasn't luck. exactly. It was it wasn't uh it wasn't something that was very much planned, right? Yeah. So springboarding off of that, right? You had you just mentioned, uh, you know, sharing some of that with other students, and um, so you know, sharing that journey. So what are some other things that you would want to share with students that are that find themselves maybe a few steps back from where you're at now knowing right it's a it's a it's a little bit of luck it's a little bit of persistence all of those things like what else could they potentially you know just keep in mind as they're moving forward Yeah I would say put in the volume you know I what I did was in the beginning I reached out to any connection that I had right that's how I got connected with you Christy that's how I got connected with a lot of different leaders in this space you know through Brooke you know leverage your, leverage your connection I, I asked Brooke to connect me with as many people as he could and then Christy connected with me with as many people as she could and and I think in almost all cases right volume negates luck because as long as you're able to put enough volume in you're, you're going to get quote unquote lucky at some point. Right. Um, and so that that is really what happened, right? And then when I was working with Roger, part of the project was here are 20 CEOs I know, reach out to them and, and talk to them, right? Again, volume negates luck. So when you're in a position when you're a student, you can leverage that, right? Everyone loves talking with students. Every every leader wants to mentor someone or wants to give someone an opportunity. So just reach out to your network and talk to whoever you can. 
um, people in the field that I found were very, very friendly. They were very open to talking with me. Just one email, you know, connection, shooting out, even a, even a cold email, you know, hey, I'd love to talk to you. Do you have 30 minutes? They'd be absolutely happy to talk to you and give you some insight. And because they they want to nurture the the next generation of leaders. So just continue to reach out to your connections. You never know what might happen. Love it. No, I think that's, I think that, yeah, sound advice. And I love the, it's the volume thing, right? Like mm-hmm. you're essentially creating luck, like, creating more opportunity for, you know, an opportunity to deliver. That's awesome. Right. So like, when you think about it, you know, even in terms of marketing and sales, right, you, you, you send a cold outreach of, you know, a thousand emails, you're not looking for a thousand responses. You're not looking for a thousand, you know, warm leads. You're just looking for that one person who's willing to sign or become a client. And then you do that enough times and you get enough clients. So it's, I, I think of it in the same way as networking, you know, reach out to enough people and someone will take you under their wing or someone will be willing to mentor you or someone will be willing to offer you a job or an internship or an unpaid experience. Yep. Nice. So in terms of more advice for students, uh, now that you've been out for a little while and you look back on your academic experiences, what do you think were some of the most valuable things about your education, whether it was a class or a course or an internship that you now look back on and actually draw upon on either you know a monthly or daily basis? And before you answer, we know it's not a shameless plug Cornell time. It's <laughs> a great school. We get that. But yeah, more beyond that, mm-hmm. I think I wish I would have taken some more kind of sales and marketing classes more than be like digital marketing or something like that i think at at the core of any business is sales right it's sales and marketing you're providing a service and someone's paying you for that service and how do you market your service so that people are willing to pay you for that service and 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 you're marketing not just you know the price tag but the value that you provide and i think that you know that's the case in senior living you're you're marketing your service to providing care, you're, you're providing a community and things like that. And so having that foundational knowledge will not only carry you within the senior living field, but any type of work that you do, because almost all, you know, businesses are value or sorry, service-based businesses. And so I wish I had spent some more time, you know, learning more about, you know, sales and how to negotiate and, and how to market. Um, because also when, when you're a student and you're, trying to land a job where you're trying to land a position that you want, that is also, you're selling yourself, right? You're selling your value, your brand and your worth to your employer. Um, So I wish I had spent some more time in in that realm or taken some more courses in that area. But uh, next to that is just do as many internships as you can. So when I was in, when I was in my grad program, I, I, like, like I, like I said, I reached out to as many people as I could and just asked, Hey, is there any opportunity to work with you? It doesn't have to be paid. Um, I just want to gain some valuable skills or experiences. And I was able to, you know, uh, work a couple unpaid internships, you know, a couple paid internships because they wanted to pay me for my work. But it, it was those valuable experiences that gave me the knowledge, right? So I think being in school is you're you're sort of in a bubble where you're, you're just gaining the knowledge and the education and the theory so that you can apply it later on. But when you have those things and you're not actually using them, I think of it as it's basically useless, right? You're just stockpiling the knowledge or stockpiling the education. But if you're not actually putting it to work, you're not actually learning anything. You're not actually growing. So so take those courses, yes, but do something with those courses. No, do something that you can apply those those skills to. I mean, Derek, you already won us over, but then to talk about like 
marketing and sales and then internships we we get it like we're big fans i know we're huge fans right (laughs) (laughs) chris could talk all day with you about marketing and sales Mm -hmm. i think yeah and i i mean you're so right you know it is it's it's the it's the ability to take this idea product whatever and connect it to the rest of the world and so that skill set is massive it's mm-hmm. it's very important and then as you said like the more granular granular you get here are all of these ways here's all these opportunities here's all the uh, you know the channels that that gets done and so yeah it's fascinating love it yeah well, I don't have any more questions. I'm sure I could ask you a lot more questions about your AIT experience and California's role in all that good stuff, but that goes into way into the weeds uh, on things for the podcast. But Chris, do you have anything else? No, this is it. Thank you, Derek. Appreciate your time today. It's yeah. awesome to get to talk to you and catch up. And uh, again, you know, Christy and I just so thankful for, um, you know, your your service to us with the mentor's voice and taking the time to interview some amazing people. And it's great for us to get to bring you back on and get a little update and hear where you're at. And uh, yeah, we just celebrate the journey you're on and as always, whatever we can do to help, we are here for it. Absolutely. Oh, I appreciate you guys bringing me back on. It was really good to catch up. <laughs>